You're listening to Cloud Security Reinvented, a podcast for security leaders with a focus on the cloud. Learn best practices from fellow security professionals and how they disconnect from it all at the end of the day. Cloud Security Reinvented. Good morning, or depending on when you are in the world, good afternoon, good evening, or good night. Welcome to Cloud Security Reinvented. I'm your host, Andy Ellis. Before I introduce our guest for the week, a quick word from our sponsor, Orca Security. Orca provides agentless security and compliance for your public cloud infrastructure, enabling you to detect and prioritize security risks in minutes, not months. I'm here today with Justin Somani, Chief Security Officer at Unity Technologies. Welcome, Justin. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. You know, across someone's career, you know, we as professionals hopefully grow. Uh, the world we're in changes, and I always love to get insight from people, especially in light of the transition from the on-premise world that many of us started in to the world of cloud that has basically become the default model for IT infrastructure. So first, let's talk a little bit about your career journey. I think your first information security job was at PricewaterhouseCoopers uh, you know, a couple decades ago. That's right. Absolutely. Uh, started that pretty much out of college um, as a first level, uh, you know, kind of consultant back in the day yep. doing when security wasn't even an industry. And so it was right. a lot of fun kind of building it out. Yeah, it's sort of interesting because I think uh, at about that time, PwC was my auditor. So it's quite possible, you know, we would have had a chance to have run into each other, but I don't think we did at that point. Well, I apologize um, if that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then you actually went into, you know, out of the consulting world. And that's a neat transition because a lot of people don't think about consulting as a way to get started and learn really hands-on mm. into, you know, I think it was Schwab was your, your next position. What was that transition like? How much did you have to unlearn versus how much were you like, oh, mm. I'm really glad I learned all of this before I showed up? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed consulting. Um, and so the thought process was if I was ever going to be a great consultant, I might actually want to do the job uh, at least once. And so yep. I had the opportunity to go to Schwab. And what I realized was all of our recommendations and findings, if you will, um, almost had nothing to do with the real problems of security. It wasn't the technical nature. It was the culture. And how do you yep. drive prioritization and get others on board, et cetera? And so that's what that's what kept me in uh, the operator role versus a consulting role. Okay, that's pretty kind of neat. I, I was just doing a, a separate podcast recently where that came up. Someone said, "You know, what's the best advice you can give?" And I think I said, "Oh, well, you know, go talk to your peers and ask them like what things are broken that they wish you that your predecessor would have already fixed, and just go fix those." And uh, the person I was talking to was like, that has nothing to do with tech and everything to do with politics and culture. Mm -hmm. And so I think you're, you're seeing that same thing. Um, and I think you had what I think a lot of people might consider a traditional progression, although in those days there was no traditional, which is you know, increasingly senior roles and then you became a CISO. Mm -hmm. I think your first uh, CISO role was at Symantec, followed by Yahoo, Box, mm -hmm. SAP. So very much a technology focused set of companies there. Yeah, and, and it stems from, you know, all the way back at Pricewaterhouse and PricewaterhouseCoopers, I was doing attack and penetration work. And so it, while it was audit per se, it was still uh, fairly technical. 
And so I've always had uh, a deeper affinity and connection to the infrasec and security operations components, yep. uh, even though I'm, I'm very uh, invested in application security and others. But right, and so Verisign was actually the first head of security. We did not have the CISO title back then. And then uh, going off into Semantic, which uh, was amazing, actually. All the all the roles I've had were a lot of fun for, in their way. It's, it's sort of interesting because I looked through your list and I'm like, when I was at Akamai, every one of yours, I think, not only was a customer of ours, but we were frequently a customer back. So yeah. uh, that's that's fascinating. Now, you've also been an advisor to actually, I think, more startups than I've been, which is a pretty impressive feat given how many I, I consult with. Yeah. What's that like? It's it's a lot of fun. You know, I, I, I believe in uh, security, I, 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 the industry. I find it incredibly fascinating and challenging. And what I came to realize is there's uh, three legs of the stool, if you will. You've got the operator, the CISO, and others uh, in a company. You also have individuals that are building security solutions. And for the security vendors, um, community rather, it's predominantly startups uh, mm -hmm. versus larger public companies. And then the third is the investment uh, VCs and, and the like. And so to kind of stretch your legs a little bit and get more involved uh, in the security apparatus, for lack of a better word, um, the advisor functions and roles for very early stage, which is a lot of fun for me, is really kind of getting back to basics. What are the security challenges we need to solve yep. um, that require solutions that we still uh, need to really endeavor to? Um, and how do you provide real guidance to these companies versus the stereotypical marketing and market demands that really go on and to, to really make solutions that solve real problems. And so it's it's a lot of fun. I, I really, really do enjoy it. That, that's really cool. And now you're at Unity, which I think is probably one of the most well-seen logos that nobody knows who you actually are, right? Because, you know, I start up a lot of games. I admit I'm a big, you know, you know iPhone tablet gamer and I see Unity pops up. Mm -hmm. So what, what are your challenges as part of a, I guess, a software platform? Yeah, Unity is fascinating. And while we're, I look at Unity slightly different. It's it's very much a SaaS company, for lack of a better word. We make a real-time 3D engine, of course, which enables creators to create games uh, and a lot of other things on our platform. When you look at the infrastructure in which we need to secure, there's two things. One. SaaS company services, et cetera, need to be done. Of course, been there and done that and, and you know, know those challenges. But the scale of the engines that are sitting on phones, consoles, and PCs is one of the biggest things that attracted to me. It has a scale problem that needs to be mm -hmm. secure at the end of the day. And then lastly, when you look at the future, uh, we have unsolved problems, which is, how do we enable privacy, for example, in an AR, VR world when those mechanisms haven't been really put in place yet? Uh, right. Which So I think there's a lot of interesting challenges for the future, um, but obviously, you know, some that have been known in the industry and some new. Yeah, that's, that's really neat. So I think you've got been in so many different places. How has security and your world around it changed as cloud became prevalent? Because really 20 years ago, like none of us thought cloud would be a thing. Then it comes yeah. in and we're like, oh, maybe someday. Now it's everywhere. How does that well, affect you? 
Yeah, I, th I think first, uh, what we saw is the establishment of SaaS back office applications. Uh, so that migration, that shifted securing uh, that infrastructure that we typically and historically have done to one of what is that supply chain management process that we have in place and what are the industry standards to hold them accountable and how do we have that contract review procurement process hooked in. So those were some obvious changes that we had to go through as an industry. What we see now is quote unquote cloud changing from SaaS to PaaS and IaaS and those other two scale, uh, sorry, IaaS and PaaS um, required agile to be fully implemented in the security function itself. And it's an easy thing to say, it's fairly complicated to, to really understand, but you know, this, this cascading nature of how does security scale in a technical sense and a process sense where waterfall models in the past when it was in our data center did not require that. And so we see solutions coming onto the market to assist in that, but fundamentally it's also a change in the skill set, moving into more technical DevOps capabilities to create uh, scalable uh, identification and remediation solutions. But also the company itself, it's, it's, you're shifting into real-time security management, for lack of a better phrase. Um, and it, it breaks down these walls of architecture to you know, effectively operations into more of a, a streamlined process. And so those were some of the biggest ones for me. Yeah. It sounds like we talk about shift left and it needs to be about shift continuous. Yes. I know continuous has been like the big buzzword. I think Kelly put together her list of you know buzzwords and it was like in the top five, yeah. um, but maybe that's where we need to go to. Now, now, as we look at your industry, and I think you touched on this a little bit, but how is cloud security different in your industry than what other people from outside would expect? Like I might say, oh, here's what I think Justin's day job looks like. How am I wrong? Um, you know, in a lot of ways, it's pretty typical. Uh, the difference I would say is corporate culture. You know, when you're working, which is a lot of fun in the gaming industry, you know, it's very different from financial institutions or otherwise. Um, you have a very energized and technical base uh, culture to kind of really work for um, or work with rather. And so it's, it's really exciting in, in that sense. Um, however, when you secure SaaS, whether it's an SSDLC process, it's agile, when you start driving um, you know, the CICD pipeline security capabilities. And when you're starting to, or not starting, but trying to deal with the infrastructure in a multi-cloud concept that, you know, scales up and scales down and how do you drive security around the containers, the instances and the like, that's fairly similar to a lot of other companies, but it's how you get it done in a uh, slightly different culture, which is really probably a little bit of a, the difference in the challenge. It's a lot more uh, communal uh, and building, you know, committees and awareness versus just edicts. You can't do drive edicts in this culture. Um, you really have to build a coalition. That's probably the best way of saying it. Okay. It's just funny because I think we always talked about doing coalitions, but we never yeah. did them. So I'm glad to see it actually is an effective strategy somewhere. Yeah. Um, and speaking of effective strategies, if we look at the practices that we learned 20 years ago, the pre-cloud era, which one of those really most resonates for you today? Um, it depends on what you mean by strategies, but security theory has not changed. 
you know, confidentiality, integrity, and availability, or if you want to use one of the other models, um, they're still the same, but it's really how we apply that to the technology that we have today is where it's applied security. That changes. Um, yep. And so that basic concept of what we do, why we do it is the same. How we do it is probably the delta as things uh, really roll yep. out. Um, and so that strategy, for lack of a better word, if you want to use that, is, is such. Uh, a different way of looking at it, the, the strategy of just really being pragmatic and practical and going to uh, not just see staff in their organizations, but down. So it's a bottoms up and a tops down model of, you know, communicating uh, the issues at hand, uh, you know, taking a little bit of risk on your shoulders instead of just shoving, we need to fix everything on top of somebody else, uh, i.e. that partnership. Yep. Um, and constant communication, constant communication uh, and building those bridges probably is, has been and still is the best strategy I have in order to move the needle on security. Yep. So let's look at the flip side and looking at that how, look at those practices. What's yeah. the practice that we really ought to have just gotten rid of a long time ago that nonetheless persists in the industry? I, I think we have a practice of chasing buzzwords uh, in the industry. And so uh, finding being having a proper risk management process of identifying the issues, what are the things that we need to do to solve them versus changing what we are being told uh, that we need to do uh, from marketing and sales and otherwise. And so that practice of not having security being a professional, uh, you know, business for lack of a better phrase is probably the biggest one, uh, enabling us to really focus on what makes a difference, what matters, threatened vulnerability processes, patch management. You can look at the Verizon Deber report. It doesn't change. It's the same thing year over yep. year, but we still have the same challenges. And a lot of it is, uh, I believe we don't slow down and take time and focus on the really important things and they're not sexy and they're hard um, versus focusing on, uh, you know, the, the latest buzzword of threat intel feeds, et cetera, that are nice to have, but not need to have. And so, well, it's probably not exactly what you're asking. For me, that's the biggest thing that we need to stop. No, I think I like that. So what you're saying is that we have a big amount of data that would tell us that we should build a machine for learning, that we should have zero trust in whatever the latest vendor buzzwords are. Pretty much. <laughs> so if we look at where the cloud era has taken us, for you, what do you think has been the biggest surprise or the mm. biggest growth driver that we you didn't predict or you know that yeah. nobody predicted? We have an amazing uh, opportunity to solve some of the very difficult problems, basic problems around, well, let's just take patch management uh, or asset management, which has always been a problem in every company. If you're in a, you know, a, a multi-cloud space, you have those APIs to be able to identify and have an asset management system or to be able to change the model and how you do patches to patch each system, but go back to gold and then do a refresh and have it be scale. Um, those are amazing opportunities 
uh, of core fundamental problems that we've had for well over 25, 30 years. Um, And I, I think that if we're able to wrap our arms around those, and effectively uh, be in line with the uh, ephemeral nature of which those assets are spun up and spun down, um, we are truly moving at the speed of the business in one major particular category, um, allowing us to spend time on on other areas that, you know, risk management and things along those lines, which are a lot more laborious uh, and, and manual in nature still today. Mm-hmm. So if you're anything like me, which I'm pretty sure you are in some ways, you've made a lot of mistakes in your career and hopefully you've learned from them. What's a piece of advice that you wish someone had given you earlier in your career so that maybe you wouldn't have to have learned some of them the hard way? Yeah, um, I think the biggest one is don't be afraid to pick up the phone and call other people in the company just to have coffee, learn what they do. Uh, I, I spent a fair amount of time later on in my career learning what is marketing. You know what? They do more than just sending out spam. Uh, what is what, what does a sales team really do? How does it really work? What, what is the funnel? And those things enabled me to learn uh, what is really going on in the organization in which I work. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that a lot of security people even read the 10Ks and 10Qs, let alone reach and know what are the processes of sales, marketing, uh, or anything else for that matter, legal and finance. The more you know about those organizations in the process, the better you are able to communicate, influence, and drive alignment and execute. And so that's probably the biggest thing I really wish I, I learned much, much earlier on. Yeah, I think I had a similar revelation the day that I realized that uh, marketing was not actually one organization, but it was like 37 different fiefdoms that were all competing. And I was like, wait, I thought you were as monolithic as security was. Yep. And no, no, like far, far more diversity in there than I think we even have in our field. And the science behind it, uh, if you want to call it that, I mean, it is just really interesting in a lot of ways. Yes. Yeah. So when you look at the future of technology, what are the opportunities that get you really excited? You know, again, going back to this, uh, our ability to drive a faster identification, remediation, or highly automated process in that uh, so that it's effectively removing the human element and driving it more to an automated identify and fix process. Um, I think that is probably one of the biggest things that we can do in order to accelerate uh, what we do. Um, The second thing, I think we're more in an interconnected world nowadays than obviously 30 years ago, but even as much as 10 years ago. And so our ability within the industry, but also in the telemetry that we have from across the company, our customer base, etc., is really amazing to be proper in identifying what the problems are, because we have a lot more data to assist us in identifying it. And probably lastly, I think the topic of security, and this is probably a double-edged sword, has risen. Uh, We always talked about it many, many moons ago that, oh, it's going to be a board-level conversation. Well, here it is. Uh, It's finally there. The problem is 
board members generally don't come from that uh, that ilk or that cloth. And so you really have to train and educate them on what uh, cybersecurity right. or physical security is. But once you do, they are deeply concerned about it. They just need help and, and guidance uh, to really focus, and they will support you. Uh, really more C staff than anybody else. Um, but yeah, it's. I think that's really exciting as well. You know, that is, that's uh, some great opportunities there. So for you, what do you do to unwind? Well, uh, recently I've been trying to go back to the gym. I can't say it helps me unwind versus gives me more stress, but that's one thing. Uh, but quite honestly, uh, spending time with my kids, uh, my better half, um, you know, random things and watching them grow really just grounds me into really prioritize the important things in life and allows me to release on the stresses of everything else. Yeah. How old are your kids? My daughter's 20 and my son is 16. Okay. Mine are 16 and 15. So I'm mm. definitely with you on that teenage years. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. They're fun. Now, let's give us a piece of wisdom for our listeners. It can be anything, doesn't have to be about technology, but what's part of one of your life wisdom moments? You know, I, I think th there's a couple of, a bunch of rules that I've developed over the years, but probably the biggest one is really just awareness of uh, choice. And what we, what that means to me is we have a lot of people talking about things, but not necessarily doing things. Mm -hmm. Choice it, for me is the action component of your intent. It is a choice. It's a conscious thing. And so, um, the, the, the wisdom there is identify people who make conscious decisions and act upon it and do that yourself. Don't fall into the trap of just talking about something take action. And what happens, you see everybody else seeing that, they start supporting you, you get critical mass, and then you get a lot more capability because it's a group of individuals versus just one. But it's all based around action, not just words. Yeah, really, I really love that. That resonates for me because I was, I was talking recently with someone about stress. And that stress is when the world doesn't match your expectations. Yeah. And I think when you just talk about things, you build an expectation that the world is changing, but you're not. Mm -hmm. But if you actually have to do it, like you'll be much more aligned in where the world is and in how you're affecting it. So I like, I like that focus on the choice. That's, that's really nice. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Well, Justin, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. My pleasure. It's been fun. You've been listening to the Cloud Security Reinvented podcast. I'm your host, Andy Ellis, and I hope you have a lovely day. Thank you for checking out this episode of Cloud Security Reinvented, brought to you by Orca Security. Orca Security detects and prioritizes cloud security risks for AWS, Microsoft Azure, and Google Cloud without the gaps in coverage, alert fatigue, and operational costs of agents. Please follow Cloud Security Reinvented wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or visit orca.security slash podcast to get immediate access to all of the latest episodes.